The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columns for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We're diving back into the gold explorers today, as we probably should. While gold has given up on $1,900 an ounce US in recent times, it's worth remembering the local price of $2,400 an ounce lights up the WA gold fields. We've got a new one today, Codrus Minerals. That's C-O-D-R-U-S, Codrus Minerals. It's a spin-out from Blackstone Minerals, which is focusing on the big-time potential of its nickel-copper PGE project west of Hanoi in Vietnam. Codrus has come to the market through an oversubscribed $8 million IPO. At the issue price, it will have a market cap of around $12 million, with Blackstone continuing as a major shareholder. Its code is CDR, or Charlie Delta Romeo. In the case of Codrus, there is no less than four drilling programs planned for between April and July this year, so news flow promises to be strong. The projects are in WA and Baker County in East Oregon in the US. The WA projects include the Silver Swan South Project, a drill-ready gold and nickel project 20 kilometres north of Kalgoorlie or 10 kilometres northeast of Northern Star's multi-million ounce Canana Bell gold project. Then there is Red Gate, 140 kilometres north of Kalgoorlie. It's a gold project where drilling is planned for August, September. Rounding out the Australian portfolio for the time being is Middle Creek, up in the Pilbara, where a gold outcrop has been identified and is waiting to be drilled for the first time. Over in the US, the nicely named Bull Run project is five miles south of the town of Unity. It's been an intermittent high-grade producer of vein gold since 1929 which is kind of interesting as folks obviously back then turned to gold to survive in the wake of the Great Crash. We've got Codrus Managing Director Shannon Bamworth with us today to give us a rundown on the company and its forward plans. Hi, Shannon. Welcome to the podcast. G'day, Barry. Good to be here. Now, Shannon, you're a newbie to the MD ranks of a listed company. Uh, I take it you're ready for the limelight. So what's your professional background? And give us an idea of the reasoning behind the spin-off of the company by Blackstone. Thanks, Barry. Well, I'm a geologist by trade, uh, kicked off my career in the gold fields of Western Australia, uh, up at Jundee and then down to Sunrise Dam. And with Anglo Gold taking over Acacia, I was uh, shortly dispatched over to West Africa, spending <laughs> about four years in um, in Mali, uh, looking after the Sadiola and Yatella gold mines and all of their exploration and mine geology. Uh, came back into Australia for a short time, but then uh, headed off and was working for Region Pacific, a corporate finance group out of Hong Kong and we were building a VMS mine up in China. Uh, Post that, I spent the last 11 years with Sandfire Resources, uh, looking after the exploration uh, for the the business, but also seeing DeGrusa and Monty through Discovery and through to Drill Out. So it's been a a very interesting path to get here, and having a chat with the Blackstone Minerals uh, team, it seemed to be a really good opportunity in looking at the gold assets they had within that business um, as you alluded to earlier, Blackstone's heavily focused on the green nickel, battery nickel uh, pathway for, for their business. 
So they had these gold assets that were essentially sitting in the uh, the bottom drawer. They were still getting some work done on them, but there was no real path for them to come to market in terms of a news flow for the business. So we started to have a look at the, the projects and it was clear that there was really some life in these gold projects. And we started to get a little bit more excited about it. And that led to the uh, the formal spin out of, of Codrus Minerals, taking all of those gold assets to the market. I've got a particular fascination with company names. Why Codrus or Codrus? Uh, Codrus. The uh, the theory behind Codrus was that it was the last Greek king and he was actually killed uh, by sacrificing himself uh, for the people of his, of his land. And uh, after Codrus, there was to be no more kings in the uh, Greek empire. And yes. that was essentially the, the, the benefactor of um, the, the good of the people. There you go. We learn something every day. Uh, let's start with the portfolio. Um, Silver Swan South on the Fitzroy Fault, uh, which controls mineralisation at Canandabel, and a long trend of uh, the Silver Swan nickel mine. What do you think you've got there and what's the forward plan? So the Silver Swan South project, that's going to be our, our first landing point for getting rigs on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we can see there is we've got the main controlling fault on Canandabel is the Fitzroy Fault, and it tracks up and through our tenements about nine kilometres north of Canana Bell. And where we've had some very wide-spaced air core drilling around that Fitzroy Fault, we've seen some good mineralisation. So the focus there is really starting to have a look at it from a, a, a new perspective in terms of all of the historic exploration has been fairly shallow, chasing paleo-channel gold. So there's no drill holes that really penetrate into the bedrock underneath. So we'll be looking at where we've got this gold at the very top of the bedrock and exploring under there. Uh, conversely, we've also got the ultramafic suite that hosts the Silver Swan uh, Nickel Project, and that comes down into the tenement holding as well. And what we'll be looking at there is some of the EM plates that Blackstone Minerals have identified, and we'll be drilling those out. A couple of the holes will be really um, beautiful. We can actually come through and test an EM plate and some of the gold mineralisation lying, lying underneath at the same time. So we've got a diamond rig booked, and we'll be in there in mid-July. Okay, so it's quite neat there. You can explore for both uh, gold and nickel in the same holes. Yep, look, there's 16 metres at 0.6% nickel um, sitting in some of the um, super gene. So there's there's obviously a fertile system there on the nickel side. And we've had hits of up to 10 metres at plus 2 grams a tonne in some of the air core drilling that's been done historically. And with Northern Star Evolution as your neighbours, you know that you're in the right part of the uh, Kalgoorlie terrain to be exploring for gold. Right. Okay. All right. Now, uh, Red Gates, um, similar setting apparently to the nearby Porphyry Gold Mine. Uh, what have you got there? Yeah, the Red Gates are a really interesting uh, prospect. Over the last couple of years, there's been a few attempts to joint venture it out um, by other companies coming to, to Blackstone and looking to, to get involved. Uh, there was a lot of work done on the project and part of the uh, tenement called Porphyry North. And Porphyry North has been drilled to within an inch of its life in the in the uh, 70s and 80s. And it's a very small, high-grade deposit that in and of itself is not economic. What Blackstone did was actually get on the ground and start to do some IP surveying, really trying to see whether they could find disseminated pyrites and be able to get a correlation between disseminated pyrites and mineralisation. Right. So they went over the old uh, Porphyry North area and they were able to get that correlation of mineralisation coming up with the sulphides and lighting up in the IP surveys. So they then took those IP surveys and, and took them down on a long strike 
uh, from Porphyry North and started to see some really interesting uh, intercepts that were on very broad space drilling line up with some better IP anomalies. So in some of those cases, we're looking at 12 metres at 9 grams a tonne, uh, just sitting there from about 8 metres below surface with very little follow-up drilling around them. So we've actually got a couple of anomalies we'll be going into uh, with the RC rig and really starting to see what we can test on these much larger, broader anomalies that have been identified. And then we'll also look to going further to the south with the IP surveys as well. We've got about yeah. 145 square kilometres of land holding there. So it gives us a, a very, very large position to, to expand those surveys in fertile country. Right. Uh, I mentioned porphyry. Uh, am I right in thinking that was in the 80s, 90s, uh, the gold mine there? Yeah, the porphyry gold mine was mined um, originally in the 80s and mm-hmm. it's been revamped with uh, Saracen and now Northern Star and it's been um, the subject of modern mining and it's been trucked down to Karasu Dam. So mm-hmm. with both of these projects, the uh, Silver Swan South and uh, the Redgate project, we're within easy trucking distance of two major operating mines. So that's a, a beautiful benefit there of not having to find something that's definitely a standalone gold project. It could also just be a, a smaller um, toll treatment or, or sale agreement that we could work out there as well. Mm. I seem to remember there was a a supergene blanket at uh, the old Porphyry mine. Is uh, any supergene mineralisation on your tenements? Yeah, what we see at Porphyry North is mostly supergene mineralisation, fairly shadow, and we've seen some holes go down into the fresh in Porphyry West, but a lot of the material there is supergene as well. Mm. But you're looking for the the big uh, the bigger targets there? Obviously, the bigger targets would be our number one goal, but small supergene um, oxide pits, they're, they're fantastic little earners for uh, mills that are hungry. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Now, Middle Creek, um, up in the Pilbara, um, up near Blue Speck, I believe. So I was just wondering, has it got high grade potential? And Well, what have you got there? Well, that's the great unknown of what we've got at Nullagine, Barry. The opportunity here is really quite uh, astounding. In the Nullagine district, we know there's been mining and prospecting in that district for decades, going back 50, 60 years and, and mm. further. And everyone's really focused over the last 30 years that your exploration methodology has to be between two large faults that are roughly east-west, running between the Blue Speck Fault to the north and the Middle Creek Fault to the south. And so people have looked for arsenic anomalies on these faults and then drilled around the arsenic anomalies on the, on the faults. And they haven't really looked at what is going to be an area that's going to have a lot of uh, linking faults. Because from geological perspectives, where we've got two very large faults, you're bound to have other small faults tapping into the same fluid system. So the package of tenements that we've got up there was pegged by Blackstone. And to date, there has not been a drill hole put into this tenement package. Yet to the north and to the south, there is multiple prospects, multiple um, small open cuts that have been mined and some larger open cuts. And obviously Millennium Minerals was working up there and they had a few operational and commercial uh, speed humps at the same time, which led to their demise. But Novo Gold has now got the uh, Beaton's Creek operation just to the west of Nullagine running. And mm-hmm. they kicked off the Nullagine mill, and we're about 10 kilometres from, from that Nullagine um, processing plant. Um, work that we've done to date um, under the guise of Blackstone has been doing some soil sampling and some rock chip sampling. And it's truly astounding that we've got four fantastic soil anomalies 
and half a dozen odd rock chip samples uh, from little outcrops at surface going plus five grams a ton. Uh, mm. Definitely not like we see in the southern goldfields. Uh, really great opportunity. Okay. Now, a couple of years ago, I would have been doing you a favour by asking this question uh, about the Pilbara, but any conglomerate gold there? Um, no, we're definitely focused. We're a bit too, too far to the south. We're in the Mosquito Creek Belt, so we're right. looking, looking more at structurally hosted gold deposits there. Okay. So how far are you from that uh, Millennium operation? Yeah, in the order of eight or nine kilometres to, to the edge of our tenements to the, to the processing plant uh, with so, established roads right the way through. Yeah, so you, you don't need to truck it. You could put it in a, a wheelbarrow and push it across. Pretty much. Right. Now, um, over to the US um, and the wonderfully named Bull Run. Um, what's the story there? Well, Barry, I think there's a wonderful opportunity in eastern Oregon. If we go back into the late 1800s, it was actually a very large gold rush part of the US. Mm. And Baker City, the, the county where the project's located, it was really built on the back of mining. The original gold rush prospectors were going in and looking for the alluvials, and they found great wealth in the alluvials in the streams of eastern Oregon. When the alluvials started to become a little bit harder to, to find and they started to work their way essentially up the mountainsides on either side of the creeks and little small rivers that they were prospecting in and started finding outcropping gold, veins with gold in the veins. Mm. And so there was that transition into to load uh, mining going underground. And at Bull Run, there were some historic workings uh, that go back best part of 100 years. And the owners that have got it um, have been sitting in there working away um, as, a, as a hobby mine, mining one or two cuts a year of plus ounce material um, and taking it up to a very small little processing facility and getting a little bit of gold out. It was really just done as a hobby. Uh, these prospectors happened to be up at a, a little conference in Vancouver where the Blackstone guys were in attendance. And Blackstone also have a cobalt project up in British Columbia. And so the prospector said, I think I've got a little bit of cobalt on my tenement. Would you like to come down and have a look? And so the Blackstone guys went down, had a look, and went underground and said, look, we're not really that um, inspired by your cobalt, but we really like the look of your gold. Can we do an option agreement on the gold? Mm. And so we were able to sign up to an option agreement, which gives us four years, and for $25,000 a year, we can explore as much or as little as we want for four years. And if we decide that we like the project, then we can buy it for a million dollars. And that sits on 11 mineral claims that are in the option agreement. And then Blackstone went and actually pegged another 79 mineral claims and ring-fenced everything after they'd done the original soil survey and could see that there was a trend of gold mineralisation heading off the tenements to the south and to the north. The focus Mm -hmm. of the prospectors in this area has really been just on these very narrow, high-grade veins. No one's really looked at it in modern terms and with modern gold prices and uh, capacities of mining equipment of what a bulk scenario would look like. So in the 70s, it was optioned out um, to a gold conda for a small period of time. And in the 80s, it was optioned out to, to Newmont. Newmont drilled three holes, and one of them recorded some greater than 20 metres going over three grams a tonne, wow. pretty much from surface and walked away. It wasn't of a scale that was going to get Newmont excited. So what we've been able to identify by having geologists on the ground is there's a whole swarm of dikes that actually cut through the tenement package. 
that aren't related directly to the uh, to the essentially the, the quartz veins that they're mining. And these have been rock chipped and show that they're actually carrying gold with plus three, four gram rock chip samples coming out of these uh, dikes that are just shot through with pyrite. So mm -hmm. it gives us a, an opportunity to look at this totally different to the way it's ever been looked at before. And uh, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to go in there and we can actually get in in between now and the end of the calendar year and get some IP surveying done because I'm fairly sure that these dikes will actually start to light up quite well with the IP. And then we can put that into the structural context um, to really help us with some focused drill targeting. Now, here's a hard one for you. We've run through uh, the key projects. If you had to, which one's your favourite? Look, I think the ability to put half a million ounces in resource quickly is probably going to give the award to the, the Bull Run project over in the US. Mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely the, the one to get the resources up. But the one that could quickly turn us a, a dollar um, in short order would probably be um, heading into to Redgate with the gold. I think there's some opportunity there for uh, a fairly small standalone project um, or inversely uh, a nice little earner to, to, to sell some ore down the road to the big hungry mills of the majors. Yeah, okay. Now, you originally went out for $5 million, got to overs and uh, took $8 million. So you're stepping up the work program or you're spreading it out a bit longer, remembering, of course, that things can change in a hurry if drilling snags something of uh, real interest somewhere. Yeah, look, we're hitting the ground running and we're going to ramp up the work program. In our heads, we really did the work program on the premise that we'd raise $8 million. Mm -hmm. uh, we had very good support from our brokers uh, with Weststar, 708 Capital and PAC Partners. So they've been fantastic support and, and really being able to give us very early indications that raising the eight was going to be a, a fairly easy task in the uh, in the IPO process. Uh, uh question I'd like to ask at the moment is how are things for the juniors in terms of you know the drilling rates and rig availability and assay delays and so on? I think it's definitely tight out there, Barry, but mm. having been um, running exploration in Western Australia with um, some reputable drill companies for the last 11 years and forming strong relationships, um, mm. we've been able to call on those. So I've got rigs lined up, uh, both Diamond and RC rigs, and uh, have the capacity to get on the ground running and not have to, to sort of sit at the back of the queue and wait. Um, assays, that's probably a, a slightly different story. I know that the assay labs are really tight and very full, uh, but we'll be trying to book our work in as, as quickly as practically possible. Right. And tell me, uh, if you snag something uh, that looks really interesting, can you get to the front of the queue? Again, I think if you've got something that's really interesting, getting to the front of the queue um, immediately uh, is, is definitely doable. Uh, what you do, though, is that you'll need to try and carve out a a portion of the lab's availability, and that's mm. generally done by negotiation. We all know that money talks. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, so let's bring it all together, Shannon, if you could, and just give the investors a feel what they should be looking out for as uh, the rest of 21 unfolds. Look, Barry, I think there's probably a couple of key messages to, to follow with Codrus. Um, one is each of the projects in the, in the company, as it stands at the current time, has excellent opportunity for discovery. It's not as though we have one lead project and then a couple of stocking fillers in there. They're all quality projects. So we'll be getting out onto the ground and running a fairly extensive exploration program, starting at Silver Swan South with the diamond drilling, and then heading across to Redgate with the RC rigs. 
then looking at going up to Nalagon with um, some IP surveying and some structural mapping to really understand what the opportunities are up there. And at the same time, we'll be working in the US, getting some IP surveying done and drill targeting and looking to get drilling there around Christmas. So the next six months are going to be hectically busy, uh, which is a, a fantastic thing. We're funded to be able to do it. Yep. Then we'll try and get ourselves into a situation whereby early next year, we're drilling up at Nullagon as well. Fantastic. And, and as, as you know, it's an iterative business exploration. So as we work our way through, we'll be looking at the results as they come in and decide whether we need to pivot left or right at any given moment. Yeah, for sure. Okay, folks, there you go. Uh, a new float. Uh, it's got some very interesting projects both here in WA and across in uh, the US. Uh, I, for one, will be doing a bit more reading on the uh, the Bull Run uh, project. So with that, I'm going to say thanks, Shannon. Thanks for your time and best of luck with it all. I'm sure it will go well. Cheers, Barry. Thank you.